Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. It's hard to think of a technology this year that's received more attention or more confusion than blockchain. So in today's episode of Sourcing Journal Radio, we're going to focus on A, what is blockchain, and B, how a company called Textile Genesis is using it to authenticate fibers, which for as long as the clothing business has existed, has been nearly impossible to do. I'm Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal, and I'm joined today by Amit Gautam, CEO and founder of Textile Genesis. Amit, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, uh... Eddie, for having me at the podcast. So my understanding is Textile Genesis is a traceability platform for the apparel industry that uses blockchain. Although it may seem hard to believe from where you sit, there's still some confusion when it comes to blockchain. Could you tell our listeners in your simplest explanation, what is blockchain? And more importantly, how could it help the supply chain? No, great. Uh, So I think it's a great starting point to just uh, think through blockchain. So blockchain has three distinct features. And the, at the most fundamental level, blockchain is nothing but a database. So most of the uh, people have used Excel sheet. An Excel sheet is also nothing but a very simple database. A blockchain at the root level is actually a database. But what's special about the database is that it's immutable. What it means is what, when someone writes on a blockchain database, it cannot be modified or edited. And that what creates trust between two parties because they're sure it cannot be adjusted, it can't be modified. The second unique thing about blockchain, it creates a natural chain of custody because it connects transactions. And then the third, which is a conceptual breakthrough, but you can achieve with or without blockchain, is the idea of taking an asset and converting into a digital asset. And uh, and as the physical asset moves across the supply chain, you could actually uh, track the digital asset. Now, what you will notice, I have not even talked about cryptocurrency or the fintech, which is what mostly people associate with blockchain. Yeah, So that's very simply explains what blockchain is. To your second question, how it can help uh, uh, the supply chain, for example, in the apparel industry, we believe there are only two problems blockchain can meaningfully solve in the apparel industry, and not 10, not five, just two problems. First is what we call authentication of finished goods. So the worst nightmare for Nike is a fake Nike sneaker in a Nike store. The the worst nightmare for Louis Vuitton is a fake Louis Vuitton bag in Louis Vuitton store. So that's the first problem that a blockchain can potentially solve, which is authentication of finished goods. And uh, in Europe, for example, about 10 to 15 percent of all sales of finished goods is fake. The second problem blockchain can solve is what I call the branded and sustainable textiles uh, uh, challenge. So essentially, there's a huge trust in the apparel industry around sustainable and uh, branded ingredients. A lot of brands have announced pledged 100% sustainable fibers. But you'll be surprised about 30% of all sustainable fibers, big organic cotton, uh, recycled polyester, all sustainable fibers are fake. And that is a meaningful uh, relevant and has a significant business impact. That's a challenge around counterfeiting and fake of fibers that, that blockchain can meaningfully solve. So when you say 10 to 15%, is that on the gray or resale market? Or is that 
original product being sold in the stores? It's a, it's a great question. Actually, this is a statistic from European Union International Patent Office. What they were tracking was the import into Europe. Wow. So everything that was imported into Europe, about 10 to 15 percent is actually fake. Now, that could potentially be ending up in stores as well and also in the secondary gray market. But it's both combined together around 10 to 15 percent fake. That's a very significant amount of product that's uh, circulating through the market. Absolutely. Sourcing Journal recently published a survey about transparency in the supply chain. And we found the industry's confidence in today's level of transparency is pretty low. Uh, especially when it comes to their confidence in manufacturers and factory transparency. How could blockchain, and I know you got into this a little bit, how could it increase that confidence? Right. So I think the, the, the role that blockchain can play here is essentially given the fact that this, uh, what is written on a blockchain database can't be modified, can't be edited, can't be altered, uh, creates a certain level of trust between you and me. Because if you sign a contract and say, look, these are the terms and conditions, then it creates a certain level of trust. And I believe uh, this is where uh, it could help the whole transparency movement in the apparel supply chain industry because people who are providing data to the platform have to be sure the data is not manipulated, that the data is actually not, you know, uh, uh, adjusted afterwards. And, and so that's the main reason it actually helps to create a certain level of confidence, which is uh, difficult to achieve through traditional uh, digital technologies. So there was another interesting um, stat from the survey or finding from the survey, which is probably bad news for you, but also amazing news because it means there's a huge opportunity, is when we asked what strategies sourcing executives are using to increase transparency, blockchain was dead last on the list. Is this just because it's new? What's holding it back? And, and what do you say to the critics who claim blockchain is overhyped? So I'm not surprised by the findings of the survey. I think this is what I would have expected. And actually, I would agree to that statement that it is indeed overhyped. And it is overhyped because of two reasons. One is people have made all kinds of claims that it can solve world hunger, it can eliminate poverty. And when you make those kind of bold statements, then of course, people are very suspicious. So it's not a panacea for all kind of uh, you know, inequalities that exist in the world. So that's one. The second reason of the overhype is the whole, of course, the cryptocurrency and the fintech. That's what people immediately associate. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I bought, <laughs> I, I bought Bitcoin at 16000 Right. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. So sorry to hear that. <laughs> so that's exactly the reason uh, why people, you know, sourcing executives say it's last because they don't understand what exactly the technology is. I fundamentally believe that the biggest impact of blockchain will be in the supply chain, will be in the authentication of uh, the ingredients across the supply chain. Uh, you know, a lot of transaction certificates are being used in this industry, which are PDF file-based. And when it takes one minute to convert a PDF file into a Word document, change all the data and back to PDF. And can you believe the entire industry trusts these transaction certificates based on PDF file to drive authentication? And, and that's where uh, blockchain can make a huge leap forward uh, by eliminating these, uh, you know, uh, transaction certificates file-based system with a much more secure and a much more, uh, uh, you know, a trust-worthy system.
you have uh, written what you call the transparency paradox. And the p- transparency paradox is what happens when a power brand say they want to achieve 100% sustainable fibers, but they have no or almost no visibility into their suppliers. How common is, it, common is this in your experience? Uh, it's very common, Unfun- unfortunately, very common in the industry. So just a few months ago, Inditex announced 100% sustainable fibers pledge. Uh, a week before that was Ralph Lauren. Uh, can you imagine Ralph Lauren announcing, which was considered a very elitist and uh, snobbish brand, actually going very aggressively on uh, sustainability. So this is a great movement in the industry to go uh, very strong on sustainability. Uh, Unfortunately, what, when you ask the second question about the transparency, what percentage of brands can track the garments back to the origin of fiber? Le- yeah, less than 5% of the top 250 brands can track the garments back to their fiber origin. And that's the challenge we have in this particular industry where there's a very strong ambition and vision, which is great, fantastic. However, the systems and process in, uh, processes in place to achieve that vision and objective are not yet there. And that's the uh, problem we are trying to solve at Textile Genesis. So I guess this, my next question is kind of a, a paradox going off of my last question, is, is that this is an industry that's famous for secrecy about everything. And, and so, like I said previously, they, they want to they track everything. They want to be fully transparent. But do you think that actually encouraging someone to poke around in their operations and supply chain could be a could be a difficult thing for some companies to wrap their minds around because you know what do you say to these cynics and when it comes to worrying about doing all this and sharing this information how does you know how does blockchain make it safer and do you think some companies are also concerned that it's going to potentially you know reveal certain things that they're doing that's you know inappropriate or not authentic I think it's a great question. Uh, uh, this goes to the root of uh, the challenges of why blockchain has been many times difficult to execute because, yes, indeed, companies are not always very open. And not only the, the, the brands and retailers, the supply chain players themselves it, uh, are also not very eager to share uh, the data. But then I ask you a very simple question, which is, can you achieve sustainability without transparency? I don't think you can. Uh, Exactly. And we make a very bold statement that it is not possible to have a credible sustainability journey, a credible sustainability target without underpinning it with transparency. So if someone challenges the whole concept of transparency and traceability, then in the same breath, you have to say, look, then sustainability is also not meaningful. And, and and that's the angle we come from, that if you want to be uh, you know, sure about sustainability of what you buy, sustainability around your supply chain, then you must be able to drive transparency. Otherwise, it's, it's, you know, anyone can claim whatever they want to claim. Uh, so that's one aspect of why uh, 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 it's critical and uh, what we see sustainability and transparency, two sides of the same coin uh, in the apparel industry. Uh, Blockchain helps in the sense that it makes it secure uh, to, that data is not modified. Yeah? But sharing of the data still happens on the network, whichever network they're using, but it actually ensures that once the data is fed into the platform, no one can modify, no one can alter it, and one can create different access rights or you know smart contracts around who sees what. So it's not a, uh, not a blockchain in its, pure, in its purest form where everyone can see everything. I think that kind of model will not work. 
which is a model that works extremely well in the whole financial sector. Uh, but that model will not work because there is a lot of competitive pressure. You don't want to talk about who's your supply chain versus someone else's supply chain. Uh, a fabric mill doesn't want to uh, tell other fabric mills where they're buying the yarn from. A fabric mill doesn't want to tell other fabric mills where they are shipping their you know, knitted or woven fabrics to. So there has to be permissioned uh, accesses around the, uh, around the system, and it cannot be a you know, free-for-all kind of, kind of uh, system uh, for the supply chain application. So this may seem like a naive question, but, you know, I've listened to so many you know, speakers and experts talk about blockchain. And to be honest, I still only think I understand about 50% of everything you're saying. But, but for the listeners out there, you know, to your point earlier, it seems like everyone is trying to get into the blockchain game. And people are making claims that they could solve everything under the sun. How proprietary is the technology that Textile Genesis is developing and, and bringing to market? And are you concerned or is there talk about brands saying, look, I could develop this technology on my own and track my supply chain? And there's a second part to this question is, do you think the industry needs a universal standard if that's the case so that everyone's not using their their own proprietary technology? And do you think Textile Genesis could be that standard? Great. So I think there are a lot of different uh, questions and sub-questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me start with the very first one. Is it proprietary? So it's an open uh, platform. Any player could join our Textile Genesis platform. So we just launched the beta and beginning of next year, we open it up for the entire supply chain. So anyone with a browser could actually create an account on the platform. Uh, so it's not proprietary in that sense that we, that we you know, seclude part of the market. And... Uh, of course, the, the kernel or the core concept of technology around fiber coins, that's what we have patented in US, but the rest, everything is using open source uh, technologies. So, for example, our blockchain is Hyperledger, which is an open source uh, uh, blockchain backed by IBM and Intel. Now, coming to your question about uh, brands creating their own blockchain, I think that's a very stupid idea. Uh, and the reason it's, 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 it's stupid is because uh, that's the easiest way to kill any meaningful blockchain application. Just think about that because the supply chain players uh, are common to multiple brands and to multiple players in the industry. So if each brand starts creating their own blockchain, the amount of data that each player in the supply chain would have to feed uh, will actually uh, explode uh, exponentially. And the, the players would say, look, I can't figure out because for every single garment, I have to feed data into 10 different platforms. It, that approach will just not work. The way we have to think about blockchain indeed is around an infrastructure play. It's an infrastructure uh, that you build for an industry to authenticate uh, uh, the transactions across the supply chain. I could imagine maybe three or four uh, dominant type of blockchains would emerge. You know, one maybe for authentication of finished goods, uh, where you are trying to authenticate from your finished good factory to your retail. And there are a lot of distribution centers and warehouses involved and custom clearances involved. So that's a very unique problem. Uh, and, and there are a lot of applications of RFID and crypto tags you can do. The second kind of blockchain uh, infrastructure play I could imagine would come up in the authentication of supply chain transactions. There you cannot RFID a fiber. There's no way you can RFID a cotton fiber. There is no way you can RFID a recycled polyester, right? And likewise, at the yarn or fabric st stage, impossible. So you have to think very differently 
in, to solve that particular problem. So I would imagine that maybe two or three, uh, you know, uh, dominant platforms would emerge. Uh, but it is a, a more of a play around infrastructure, a certification standard, and individual brand trying to create their own uh, blockchains could work only for finished goods. Maybe it works for finished goods, but definitely not for the uh, authentication of supply chain from the origin of raw materials to uh, the finished goods, right? I don't even think it's just going to cause too much confusion. You know, like you said, you have every brand having their own technology, requiring every single supplier. This is this is the wrong thing we need. This is this this is more chaos. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the first fundamental question uh, that brands or any player has to ask is, which business problem are you trying to solve? And then the blockchain comes second. The problem is people are getting you know so hyped up about blockchain. They say, oh, I have to apply it somewhere. Doesn't matter where. And that's an absolutely wrong way to look at this thing. You know, which business problem are you trying to solve? And uh, actually, in in the case of finished goods, maybe it could work for a lot of different brands because it's their finished good factory, it's their distribution centers, it's their warehouses. So for that, I could imagine. But for any sustainable fiber, if you want to authenticate, you know, recycled polyester, organic cotton, organic linen, sustainable fibers, wood-based fibers, uh, tensile covero, just doesn't make sense that each brand starts their own system. So unlike a lot of blockchain players out there, um, this is more than an idea. Textile Genesis is out of beta. It's fully accessible. You're, you're doing pilots. Um, my understanding is you're doing a pilot with, with lensing, um, the World uh, Wildlife Fund, and Chicks. Uh, for those that don't know, I think that's an innerware brand uh, based out of Hong Kong. So can you tell us how this worked and what you learned from these pilots? Yeah, so we just uh, released the results of the pilot last week in Hong Kong at the Hong Kong Fashion Summit, which is Asia's largest sustainability fashion event. Uh, The feedback was extremely positive, very well received. Uh, What we did as part of that pilot is uh, authenticated 40, uh, no, sorry, excuse me, 50 different articles or garment uh, uh, SKUs, 25,000 pieces all the way from the origin of fibers uh, from lensing all the way to the to the to the brand including the spinning uh, the knitting uh, the dyeing and the garment making so that showed uh, the the complexity of the real life world we wanted to capture uh, in this particular pilot as close as possible to what uh, the real world complexity exists uh, the second interesting thing from the pilot was it required just 2 weeks of training in some cases, just one training session for one and a half hour for people to start using the platform. So it was not an intense training for you know months and months for people to be able to do transactions on the platform. And then third, uh, all transactions was done through a data upload facility on the platform. No manual entry, you know, creating and then punching the numbers. Because guess what, you know, 50, 000, uh, 50 different articles, twenty five thousand pieces. There is no way. You could actually just feed data, you know, manually enter the data and, and, and work through the system. So it's a very important part of our design principle to be able to conduct transactions through data upload, that people extract data from their SAP ERP system and upload onto the platform. So those were some of the key findings. And uh, we had a kiosk there as well, an exhibition booth where uh, you as an average consumer could just scan the garment barcode. And by scanning the barcode using our app, you will have the full history of the garment which was the garment maker, which was the weaving or knitting mill, the spinner, all the way back to the fabric. 
and also what's unique about that garment. So that app also we, we showcased for the first time to the external world uh, at that fashion summit. You have research that says consumers will spend more when they know a company is behaving responsible and helping its workers earn a fair living. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I have to admit, I'm a little skeptical about this. Just from my experience in both supply chain and in retail, can you tell us about this research and the findings and then explain how consumers can use blockchain themselves to trace the fibers in the clothes they're buying right in the store. Right. So this research was done at MIT. Uh, uh, a very recently researched by two uh, professors at MIT. And essentially the idea is this. They did a, a fascinating research, I believe, in behavioral economics, uh, where the, the players, part of the research, were incentivized for uh, transparency, basically. So if a consumer knows that the brand is investing in a transparent supply chain of your wages, is the consumer willing to pay a premium or not? And through that research, uh, they, they, they said, yes, consumers are willing to uh, pay a premium. And in psychological terms, it's called indirect reciprocity. And the principle of indirect reciprocity is, I'm willing to help you because I know you are helping someone else. And I think this, this philanthropist or altruistic behavior of human being is very, very deep. Uh, uh, to being human, yeah, and that's what they have actually uncovered through you know, behavioral economics research. I'm happy to share a copy with you. Now, coming back to uh, how uh, consumers can use that is essentially the app that we have built, which connects the blockchain platform uh, to the barcodes. So, consumer can use the app either integrated to the app of the brand or just our app by scanning the garment and seeing the full traceability. We have not yet brought in the elements of fair wages uh, and so on and so forth, but those are the elements that can be easily added on top once you have the basic infrastructure in place. So, a lot of bells and whistles we can add on top, but the, our first focus is to create transparency. Who are the players behind? As, as I was saying in the beginning, this is an industry that don't even know who is the tier three guy or tier four producer. Unless until you know tier three, tier four, you know, you can't do anything else with respect to the garment, uh, you know, sustainability credentials. Let's talk a little bit about counterfeit fibers. You earlier said that about 30% of sustainable fibers in the apparel supply chain could be counterfeit. So let's take some real life case studies here. In the past couple of years, we've seen Walmart, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, all come under, you know, fire. They uh, faced lawsuits over selling counterfeit Egyptian cotton. So this is something that's really happened. It's been all over the news. They've gotten a lot. They've taken a lot of heat for this. How could blockchain solve this in ways that other tools haven't been able to? Right. Uh, great. So in that particular instance, what happened in the case of Egyptian cotton, right? I'm sure some kind of transaction certificates were being used to actually show that, look, this is Egyptian cotton. And now the way blockchain can help solve that issue is those transaction certificates which industry uses, uh, which are based on PDF file, very easy to counterfeit. Uh, it's almost impossible to do it on a blockchain platform. It's, if, just a, it's just a piece of paper. People have to understand this. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just a piece of paper and you can very easily change it. But people say, oh, it's a PDF file on my laptop. So what? Right, People can easily add the double the volume of authentication. You can increase the expiry date of your certificate by one year or two years. So if you have a transaction certificate for recycled polyester, let's say for 2,000 ton, 
convert into a Word document, change the number to 10,000 ton. And there, there you go. You have a license to sell 10,000 ton of recycled polyester, whereas you only had the authentication for two. Uh, 2000 ton in the beginning. You know, you, I, I don't want to cut you off, but you made a very, very valid point that I think it's the first thing I look for and I tell people to check out is that if you understand, truly understand how much raw materials it takes to produce the X amount of garments you want, and those numbers don't add up, right off the bat, you know there's fraud in that transaction certificate. Unfortunately, I don't think in, uh, enough of the supply chain executives out there understand how to do those conversions. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on because if you look at even the the skill base of a lot of uh, brands is actually primarily on sourcing of garments and primarily on how do you source at the most effective cost and with the most effective supply chain. But if you ask the question about, you know, how much does it cost to spin or what's the spinning efficiency or weaving or knitting efficiency? And to your point, the yield factors, because if to be able to calculate the raw material to output at each stage, you also need to know the yield or wastage factors at each stage, right? Those kind of uh, understanding is very, very uh, rare to find. Uh, uh, I think brands are making a right uh, uh, initiative in those directions, where I see more and more people thinking through value chain and not just sourcing of the finished garments. So you're confident that if uh, these retailers were using textile genesis, this would not have happened? Uh, there's no way to counterfeit the transactions. That's for 100% sure. And what we also do is besides uh, capturing the transactions, we also do uh, random audits at different steps in the supply chain to physically verify uh, the product. So the physical traceability is also an important element uh, of the solution besides the whole uh, digital traceability. So unless they're completely not using your platform and really want to just be committing outright fraud, this would drastically reduce the amount of potential error. Absolutely, yeah. It's very interesting. You used a term before called fiber coin. Fiber coin. I was poking around on your website, obviously, before um, this podcast, and I saw this was you know a big part of your site. W what is a fiber coin for people that have no idea? Yeah. So first of all, uh, fiber coin is not a cryptocurrency. Okay. Good. <laughs> so fiber coins is actually a way to digitize the fibers at the point of origin. Okay. So for example, today in the physical market, if I ship 100 tons of recycled polyester to you or organic linen to you, so we immediately we convert uh, that volume of fiber into fiber coins. So 100 uh, recycled polyester coins would be issued to your account automatically on the platform. So it's digitization of the physical fiber at the point of origin and then Later on, as a spinner or a weaving or knitting mill uh, ships its yarn or fabric with the blend ratio and the mass of fabric, automatically the coins are credited from the, the supplier to the customer. And likewise, it goes work its way through the brand. And you as a brand, if you're buying, let's say, 100,000 pieces of uh, a, a bottom, yeah, let's say denim, and let's say each denim weighs 250 grams, and then you would say, okay, one kg of fiber is one coin. So for every four garments that you receive, you should expect one coin to be delivered by the garment maker. And the only player who can issue the fiber coins on a platform is the original holder of the branded ingredient fiber. So for example, this pilot that we just did with WWF and Lensing, only Lensing could issue tensile modal coins on a platform. And what everyone else can do, only transfer those coins across the chain. So you're controlling the amount of fiber that's out in the marketplace. Exactly. Because, you know, uh, some people say there is twice the amount of cashmere in the world than actually produced. So the only way to 
eliminate that problem is to tokenize it at the source of origin when it's a physical shipment is happening and then the rest as the transactions are happening the coins are actually allocated or are transferred because no one else can actually so i'm just thinking off the cuff right now so when you talk about lensing obviously they have um proprietary uh, technology. They have Tencel, they have Model, they have Refibra. You look at some of the other ingredient companies out there, Unify and Reprieve or Invista or Supima, whatnot. But what about for something that's cotton? You know, that's such a generic, you know, commodity and there's so many types of cotton. How do you kind of authenticate that? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a great question. Uh, in that particular case, that's not our, our core market to be honest. Our core market is actually sustainable, branded, differentiated ingredients. The reason we don't care about commodity cotton or commodity polyester, because no one is taking commodity cotton and claiming that it's polyester, right? No one is taking polyester and saying, oh, this is cotton. The problem is happening. People are taking sometimes a generic cotton and calling it Supima. Or people are taking a virgin polyester and calling it recycled polyester. So where you have differentiated ingredients, that's where the value comes so into that's play. That's where the fraud is happening. Exactly. And that's the problem we are solving. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. So that's why the Egyptian cotton would have been solved. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Are there any other platforms out there that trace things, you know, like labor rights? Does, does Textile Genesis address this in any way? Or do any other blockchains address this? If not, is there any future plans to kind of get into this space? Or do you know anyone else getting into this space? Yes, yeah, so on the labor rights, I think that a lot of uh, NGOs who are quite active in this particular space also, uh, uh, I know there are a couple of survey companies that anonymously collect feedback from people who are working in garment factories and share that feedback with different brands. Uh, that's a very, very, uh, I would say, rather specialized space. And as of now, we have not looked uh, at that to integrate into the uh, Textile Genesis platform. Uh, but the, given that uh, on Textile Genesis, all the actors are have a unique ID, right? And they're all connected into a supply chain. It will be very easy to integrate those elements. Uh, a digital company who's doing a survey and collecting the feedback from different garment factors, weaving mills. We know the name of those mills. We can immediately link it to, to our platform. What we have done is created a uh, sustainability certification module on our platform. So all the companies there which have sustainability certificates like BlueSign, SSC, uh, FSC, PEFC, they can upload those certificates. Uh, onto the platform and on the back end, we verify those certificates by the issuing authority. So that part we have created and likewise also for social sustainability certificates like Fair uh, Wear Foundation, uh, Social Accountability International. So those certificates can be uploaded and any player can see what are the authentic, authentic certificates with other players because it's on the back end verified by the issuing authority. But you have not yet gone into, you know, are they paying fair minimum wages because these certificates more or less capture those dimensions. So w one last question, and I know we just touched on it a little bit around cotton and poly in terms of its gener generic form, but are there any other limitations to what textile genesis can trace, you know, what about wool, for example? Are you, can you, are you venturing into that? Can you trace wool? Yeah, so I think indeed we are also starting a wool uh, uh, traceability project. 
uh, again in partnership with WWF and few other players, which we can't announce now because it's, it's it's in the making. But from that perspective, there's no limitation. Any fiber could be traced on the platform. Only thing is we have to model that supply chain onto the platform. It takes about six to eight weeks to model that particular supply chain because they have different yield factors. The players are different. The wastage factors are different. But once you have modeled it, then you can start issuing the coins at the point of origin and it just works its way through the system. Uh, and we don't do, as we discussed earlier, it's really focused on sustainable, branded, differentiated fibers and not on commodity fibers. No, that makes a lot of sense because that's where, like like you said, that's where the counterfeiting and fraud is happening. And that's where the deception, consumers think they're buying something and they're getting something else. So that's what needs to be eliminated uh, completely. So... This has been really, really interesting. And as, as sustainability and traceability, these topics heat up. You know, I hope you're going to join us again um, on our podcast. For our listeners who want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do it? Do you have a LinkedIn profile? Should they go to your website? What do you, how, what's the best way? Yeah, so I have, uh, we have LinkedIn profile of Textile Genesis. Uh, they, also my LinkedIn profile, uh, Amit Kautam. They can visit our website, textilegenesis.com. And there is a, a link there to get in touch with us. Uh, just submit a form and they can ask us any questions. I think those three would be the most effective way to get in touch with us. And uh, we will continue on our you know, transformation journey with a lot of uh, additional pilots. We are doing now two more pilots, one with a designer label brand based out of New York, uh, other with a German sustainability leader. And the results of those pilots will come out end of this year, beginning of next year. Well, Amit, I really want to thank you for being here. This is very educational. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and are new to Sourcing Journal, be sure to sign up for our newsletters at sourcingjournal.com so you can learn more about the latest trends in our industry and be among the first to know about our podcast, webinars, reports, and other events. Amit, I want to thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks for having me.